4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Cofield and Company live at Silver 7s. We're here every Thursday, 3 to 6. That's until September 1st. And we're going to switch that up 2 to 5 on September 8th, running through the rest of the football season. How about this? It is 4 o'clock. That means we are in the midst of happy hour. you got one hour left, $2.77 pints, shots, margaritas, and, of course, throughout the week, great giveaways. Wednesday, great gas card giveaway. How about this? $50 shell gas card giveaway, 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. every 15 minutes. And a lot of a lot of good stuff going on. So Silver 7's come on down across from the William Hill Sportsbook. Willie Ramirez and myself, Jonathan Von Tobel. Von Tobel y Los Vatos are here. Ari, as Steve says, crunch, crunch, please. <laughs> All right, so we have a lot of football stuff to get to. Um, so let's talk about this. And this is actually on your topic list, Willie, so this fits perfectly so we get news coming down about an hour ago, and it's actually pretty fascinating. Darren Waller, mm-hmm. Clutch Sports, or should we say formerly of Clutch Sports, has decided to move on from the agency. Now, in the grand scheme of things, people are like, well, why does that matter? Well, it matters because Darren Waller wants himself a contract extension. He wants guaranteed money. Right, and it's, it is a fascinating move when you are gunning for a contract extension and guaranteed money to get rid of your representation. It tells us a lot. Yeah. It tells you know it tells us a lot. Um, I've been on the Waller bandwagon since the start of training camp. I've been in defense of him um, in that whatever it may be, if it's a hold in, I don't believe that someone said you know is he holding out? Is he demanding? I just said that's not his style. I believe that he's in negotiations. What I have been in belief to, and the listeners that the regular listeners every day are probably tired of hearing me saying this, but I have been in full belief that Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler, they are fully prepared to take care of Darren Waller. They do not have a problem with taking Darren. There is no. It's not like they're actually negotiating. Like there's a like. Well, we can't come to an agreement. No, they know what they want to do. They got to shore up that offensive line. They got to go through one more set of cuts. Next week, when we sit in that press conference with Dave Ziegler after the final set of cuts and they have their 53, I think that they'll be they'll know what they're going to do on that offensive line, and that's when they can take whatever's left in their coffers, if you will, $21, $22 million sitting there. They'll know what they're going to do with Darren Waller. But I think that he's been assured that he's going to have some money. Now, I'm not discounting 100% Adam Schefter, but I also don't believe that it's this whole absence has been because of an injury. I believe that Darren Waller has been in the building every day, just like Josh McDaniel said. I believe that he is working out, that he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. Maybe he's catching passes before or after practice with Derek Carr, but I believe that he's fully invested in this season. I believe that he knows what they want from him. I just think that he wants to be guaranteed money. He sees all these injuries going down, and he's not about to risk it without anything guaranteed. Because if he gets injured, they don't even have to pay him. Well, so I would ask this, though. I'd push back a little bit. Why do roster cuts matter for an extension? Because I think that they want to know what other teams are cutting. And if you just brought up earlier about the, the Cowboys trading for Alex Leatherwood. If they're not shored up on the right side of that line, uh-huh. and once cuts are done around the league, they can look across and go, hey, 
let's grab this veteran just in case. So they no, so they bring someone sure, in. Sure, but that wouldn't be enough to impact contract negotiations with Darren Waller. If a guy's getting cut, realistically, you're not paying him enough that it would alter your salary cap. I still think that they want to shore up with it. With, I think that they want to finish whatever that they're going to do on the offensive line, whatever final negotiations, if they're going to bring someone in when other players cut player, cut whomever and they got to bring somebody in, whatever it is that they need to do, and then they're going to take care of Darren Waller before the start of the season. And I think he knows that, and I think he's fine. I don't think that he has been hoodwinking. When we talk, when I talk to him at the Aces game, mm. okay, I go up. He, he doesn't hide away from anything. He's, he's cool. You know, he, he talks. Um, I don't ask him direct questions either because I'm not going to sit there and pester him. Otherwise, then we won't talk. He won't talk. So I just say, hey, everything cool? What's going on? I'm progressing. I'll be out. You know, he's he told uh, Paul Gutierrez from ESPN and myself the same night in two different conversations. I should be out there next week. He came out for one game or one, one practice, yep. and then he wasn't there. Now that I see that he's not with this, maybe it's because Clutch Sports said, "Dude, what are you doing? We told you not to, you know, go out there." So perhaps that's the situation. And, and and he doesn't like the way they're handling things. So I guess my follow-up, well, then here's – because there's – to me, it's just if it is if it is how you're presenting it, there are just some things that just don't match up. Like, for example, if they're just talking to each other and like, hey, man, we know what's going to happen, then why fire clutch? Like, why, why get rid of your representation? Because getting rid of your representation at such a crucial moment signifies that you are not happy with – something that they are doing right i would assume that well i don't think that he wants to i think he wants to be on the field i personally think that he wants to be out there practicing maybe not playing games so you're saying that clutch is telling him don't go out there while we're negotiating he's saying well now that i see this yes i believe darren waller definitely wants to be out there so he's going to be practicing so he's going to be back tomorrow do they practice tomorrow no okay they got a game tomorrow oh friday yeah excuse me yeah they play the patriots yeah you know new england they were in yeah uh no, he was because he, he, I don't think anybody's going to play. Any of the the starters are not going to play. play. Yeah, so, they're not going to play. So I just think that he would. Yeah, there's no reason to not have him out there. They're not going balls to the wall in per se. They're not. You know, they're just. I mean, he could he could have been out there and not got injured, but playing in games, he's not going to do it. The so joint, next practice, he'll be back. I think so. Okay, absolutely interesting. I think he will be. Yeah. I think I, he wants to be. Yeah. Well, I just it, it is it, it when you see somebody like Lamar Jackson's been a really interesting character in that he has been negotiating his contract this whole time without representation. So now for a player like Darren Waller, who deserved to get paid to get rid of his representation at such a crucial moment, it is yeah, it is maybe, quite the story. Maybe part of it, you're right in that they're I don't know. Maybe they're demanding that you're saying like, well, okay, well. If that's the case, if there's an agreement, maybe he's in agreement with the upper brass, but they're not, and and they're pushing. Hey, no, get it done now. Otherwise, hold out. Don't go to the facility. Don't go to. The, don't do anything. I don't know. We don't know. We won't know until we hear from Darren Waller. Right. But I just believe. I firmly believe that Darren Waller is not the issue. I do not think that he is the one causing this. I think the. I think there's. There's something, but I don't think that he's as severely injured as we're hearing. And I think he wants to be out there with his guys. I think he wants to be practicing, getting ready for the season. All right, so speaking of, today is Thursday. Got my days mixed up. Tomorrow's Friday, which means they do play tomorrow. Who are they playing? Cincinnati Bengals? Is that who they're playing? 
An, uh, it's a team from Boston, I oh. think. Yeah. Oh, the Red Sox? They're in town? All right, New England Patriots game. So what are you expecting? I, I, got to, uh, I was watching the media availability the other day. Uh, Carr had an interesting um, end to a comment in which he said pretty much like, look, these practices, you're learning infinitely more about yourself, your team, getting more valuable reps in these joint practices and working with your guys as opposed to, as he put it, what, 16, 17 snaps in a preseason game that doesn't really mean anything. Aaron Rodgers has spoken to that as well. I mean, like, look, preseason is meaningless. What matters is what's happening in practice and when we get to work with other teams. So what are you expecting to see, at least from a personnel standpoint on Friday? I thought it was a very poignant statement that I don't think that he realized that he basically told us, no, I'm done for the – He's not done. He's not even out there. He's not yeah. going out there. Yeah. Yeah. Because when he said, start to be done. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's, you know, he's, when he said, I can get more out of this yeah. than that. So, um, I think the Raiders are going to dominate this game. Um, just from the standpoint that it's at home. We saw what they did during the practices. And I don't know. Again, I go back to, I don't know how much the Patriots are putting into. You know, after last week, I think that I think Belichick is looking at some other things. Mm-hmm. Whereas McDaniel's, I think that there's more competition going on in specific units with the Raiders, and I think it's the home preseason finale. You know, and and now with with Mullins gone, right? So you got to see your two who knows the offense, knows the system, came here with McDaniel's in Jared Stidham. I think that he's going to. You know, probably play the first half. We'll see Garbers in the second half. May see New England make a run there. But I think that the Raiders are going to pull this one off. And let's not forget that the depth with a lot of these skill position players on offense, these are guys that could be key guys. And they're like, you know, Matt Collins is not guaranteed a spot. He's still up for a spot. There are, there, you know, Ty Johnson, these guys are still competing. The running back room. Not, I mean, the, the only one that's gone is Kenyon Drake. Mm-hmm. So there's still a lot of competition in the in the skill position sets that uh, those guys are going to be going all out tomorrow. You, so you still think we see Jared Stidham? What, you think Garbage going to play the whole game? Yeah. I don't. I don't think he'll play. The whole Just game. only because I mean Maybe. this is a team. This is their what their fourth preseason game now, yeah. and Stidham's your backup. He has value because he is your backup quarterback. I don't know if I would risk it, and I would throw out the young kid to see what he's got for an entire game. That's just me, and we tend to see some teams do that on the last game. Yeah, you have, I see your point, but you know? I think Stiddy will play a little bit. Okay, I like it. You think they're going to try to win, huh? They've I been do. doing really I good. Do. I do. Yeah. I think there's a – and let's not forget, yeah. student-teacher, mentor-mentee. Oh, you think there's a Mr. Miyagi oh, thing? Yeah. Wax on, I, wax yeah, off, yeah, you think, son of a – yeah? I think there's a little something there Josh wants to serve up Bill a little, especially yeah. these guys coming in, taking over, sitting in the cafeteria, eating the snacks. Be good. Eating the prime rib. Wouldn't it be good if we caught that on mic? Make a smoothie in my gym again. Yes. Mother. Absolutely. <laughs> now, hopefully it doesn't devolve into physical fisticuffs. It won't. As we saw today. Did you see the footage of Aaron Donald today? I, I saw it in a small frame. I wasn't able to blow it up. I saw it, you know, on my phone. I I, had part, I just pulled you know, because I'm not going to pull up a video while I'm driving. Yeah. So I pulled into the parking Safe lot. Safe driver. Good job. No. I'm just not going to watch a video. Oh, okay, right. uh, it's bad You're enough. Like, I'll text like crazy while I'm yeah, driving. Yeah, it's, it's hard enough trying to tweet. But, no, I parked at the Raiders facility before I went in to get my credential, and I pulled it up, and they still couldn't really see everything. I would have rather seen it on my laptop and then yeah. ran into traffic, crammed in here with a minute left. What? So I haven't seen it, but I did see a melee. You, you, you didn't miss much. You, you can see you know, from a distance somebody swinging helmets. 
and uh, knocking people Sounds like people it was somebody important. Uh, it was Aaron Donald. Oh. And there's actually I'll, – I'll get the photo and I'll show it to you during the break. Uh, there is a great still shot of him, like power stance, like almost like he's doing a sumo squat. And he has, Willie, two helmets. He's got a Cincinnati Bengals helmet in each hand, and he looks like he's ready to destroy everybody in front of him. Wait a minute. What is he? Ha- what whose helmet does he have? He's got two Cincinnati Bengals helmets oh, in his hand. Oh, that's not. You can't do that's. <sighs> I mean, clearly he got in a fight and ripped them off their heads, and he was going at it. Now, why this is where interesting, was his? Uh, it on was his not head? on. No, it was not on his head. So there was clearly an altercation. But what makes this interesting is the NFL. Generally, you don't really see them police these in camp fights. But this is very similar to what? Miles Garrett taking a helmet. This is a criminal activity. And cracking it down on Mason Rudolph's dome. So it's an attempted assault. Does the NFL get involved? And does Aaron Donald miss some games from this? This is the integrity of the shield. That's right. No cracks in the shield, baby. I mean. So Aaron Donald's done for the rest of the year. (laughs) Wow. Uh, What's what's worse, swinging a helmet at somebody or betting on a game? uh, Betting on a one? Yeah. How about How about this? This will lead in what we're talking about with uh, Danny Webster, Vegas Old Knights reporter, Las Vegas Sun, is going to join us on the other side. What's worse, fighting in training camp or hosting your introductory press conference from your car? Daily happy hour specials from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., including 277 for pint shots and margaritas at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens. They got great players. I think that's what really drew me to the team. A lot of great players. And, you know, when you get to play with players of that caliber, they make you better, right? And it seemed like a great fit for me, and I'm going to try to help any way I can. And, you know, I want to be on a winner again, and I think they got the, the right pieces to, to compete and win. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. You heard it, Silver Sevens, the spot, that voice you hear. The newest addition to the Vegas Golden Knights, Willie, Phil Kessel. I was on that Zoom call. Yeah? Were you offended? I would have been offended. Yeah, what are you going to do? Kid was in the car. I think he, he, he said where he was at. I'm not sure what he said. Sorry, guys, I just got done doing I don't know if he said golfing. I don't know what he said, but you know who probably did hear was our next guest. He's going to talk about it and help us break down this acquired talent the veteran uh from the las vegas sun vegas golden knights beat writer danny webster daniel william (laughs) okay that was great all right danny uh, i'll start with a non-serious question first and then we'll get to the serious stuff uh which is should the vegas golden knights immediately cut phil kessel for not showing us respect and talking on us to via zoom from his car uh i think given the way that Zoom has advanced over the last couple of years. I feel like you can probably <laughs> let this one slide a little bit. If anything, just just let it pass and give him give give him another chance. If it doesn't work out the second time, then probably probably feel offended. So well, let's do this then. Walk us through uh, the steps uh, that got us to this point in terms of the Vegas Golden Knights courting Kessel and uh, how it got to the point where he was signing this one year one point five million dollar contract. Yeah, for me, I thought this was a really surprising signing. Not that I don't think that the Golden Knights explored it, um, but I, I honestly didn't think that going after another forward was an immediate concern. I thought that they were very content with going with who they had in-house after spending Nick Waugh, King Colsar, 
and trying to see who they have in the system. Uh, but given the fact that they did move on from Max Pacioretty for nothing, I do think that they at least wanted to explore it. And I know uh, Sportsnet did report that uh, they had tried recording uh, Paul Stasny for a p- potential reunion when it turned out that Stasny burned Vegas, probably burned a couple bridges here and there. Uh, they decided they wanted to go forward with Phil Kessel. And when you look at the way that the roster is lined up and you look at how Phil Kessel's played over the last few years, it seems like a perfect fit. And I think with a motivated Phil Kessel who wants to get back to winning a Stanley Cup and a motivated Golden Knights team that is still pretty sour about missing the playoffs, injuries aside, this seemed like a very perfect match. And I think for both parties involved, it's, it, it's going to work out very well. You talk about a motivated Phil Kessel. I was a little shocked because he was complimentary of the players, but just the way it came across, it was a little bit of a backhand to the organization in terms of like, it'll be nice to go somewhere that actually wants to win and contend. Were you a little surprised by the way that came across? Not at all. I, I think when you look at the situation that Arizona has put itself in over the last few years, you know, they, they tried to go all in when they got Phil Kessel. They got him in June of 2019, and they decided, you know what, we're going to try and see what we can do. We don't know if it's going to work, but it'll work. And they got him in June. About six months later, they got Taylor Hall, and there was this big excitement around Arizona that hadn't been had in a long time. Then, of course, the season pauses due to the pandemic. They resume. They get to the playoffs. They win the qualifying round, and they make the playoffs. But ultimately... Arizona has always been in a position where they're not going to be a destination for big-time players. They're not going to be a destination where players want to go play. So ultimately they realized if the ceiling was to get shellacked by the Avalanche in five games in the playoffs, they're going to have to do some sort of rebuilding. And, you know, as extreme as it may be for the full teardown rebuild that the Coyotes have had, uh, they've acquired 18 picks to the first three rounds over the next three drafts. So clearly the writing was on the wall the minute that they decided to go in this direction. So for a guy who's won two Stanley Cups, who's about to play you know, the, the most consecutive games in NHL history, and a guy who's been as productive as he's been everywhere he's been, I, I don't see it as you know a complete surprise that a situation that he was traded to from Pittsburgh after winning two Cups completely just tears it down and an organization that is, you know, trying to figure out what they are, what they want to do, and ultimately that's why they're playing in a 5,000 seat college arena next year. So I, I, I'm not totally surprised at all at the fact that Bill Kessel was seemingly frustrated with the way things went in Arizona. So what do you think Kessel has left to offer? You know, you kind of alluded to it. Last three seasons, an average of about 44 points uh, per season. And we've seen this in sports all the time, right? Guys who are a little bit longer in the tooth in terms of their career uh, get a little bit more revitalized when they join a team that is going to contend and, and compete for their respective titles and championships in their leagues. So what do you expect from Kessel this season? And did you see anything over the last three years that would make you think, like, hey, you know, what you saw is what you got? I think the fact that he put up 52 points and – was the third best scorer on a team that finished with 57 points last year, I think is cause to think that you get him on a team that can be in a playoff position, he's going to have another bounce back year. I, I think, obviously, he's, he is a little older. He's 34. 
you wonder what he can provide at both ends of the ice. But offensively, he had 44 assists last year. And if there's anything that the Golden Knights could use uh, is set up guys, whether it be on the power play or whether it be on five on five. And the good thing for Phil Kessel is that he's coming into a situation that whether he lines up on the left side with Jack Eichel and Mark Stone or on the left side with William Carlson and Riley Smith or Chandler Stevenson and Nick Waugh, whoever it is, he's going to make that line better no matter which one it is. Because not only can he still score goals, obviously he only had eight last year, but the way he set up his teammates was pretty astounding given the circumstances. The fact that he is still able to play as well as he has and he can put him on any line on this team, I definitely expect him to be bounced back here. And the fact that he's going to be a very good weapon on a power play coach by Bruce Cassidy, I think is also reason to think that he should have a bounce back here. So I definitely think given the fact that he'll have a chance to perform in the playoffs uh, is a good sign if you're a Golden Knights fan. Yeah, I think it's a it's a fit it's a great fit for both sides considering the veterans and names that are on this um, Golden Knights team going into the season. We're just a few weeks away from training camp. Danny, what about we had a couple of minutes left? Um, Kelly McCrimmon telling us today that they're going to move ahead with the goalie tandem of Laurent Brassois and Logan Thompson. I definitely think uh, that's probably expected. I, I think it's a good move. I, I was actually kind of surprised that Brassois' name was mentioned with that, yep, uh, given his status with hip surgery. But uh, Kelly McCrimmon did say that his rehab has gone very well. Uh, did not commit to him being on the roster opening night. And if that's the case, it would seem that Michael Hutchinson would be the guy should things go uh, haywire there. But I, I think this is the clear indication that this is where they wanted to go. Uh, the fact that they still have a firm belief in Laurent Persuade, and I think if he goes into this year in a contract year with a strong uh, performance, it's going to help the Golden Knights. But I think we can all agree that come October 11th in L.A., it will be Logan Thompson uh, manning the starters crease, and I think that it's going to be his time to show if he can be a full-time number one goalie and if everyone will be excited uh, for what they've been clamoring all summer. Danny, before we get you out of here really quickly, I want to go back to something you mentioned. Uh, you kind of said at the top that you were somewhat surprised that they went uh, in the direction of signing a forward in Kessel. Was there a move that you were expecting them to make, or is it just more like, ah, oh, I was just surprised they added to this position? No, I thought they were I thought they were just going to stay status quo. I thought mostly going into training camp, I was under the assertion that if they were going to give Nick Waugh an extended role, I think a top-six role would have worked well for him. They were going to explore that. And I think they were going to explore the depth in the organization with Brendan Brisson possibly knocking on the door for an NHL spot, as well as Sakari Mandanen, who they signed on the first day of free agency, the hero from Team Finland in the Olympics this year. So I, I think uh, I was kind of surprised that they went the route, but obviously getting a guy of Kessel's caliber, you can't be really mad at that. Danny, thank you very much. Awesome spot, dude. We appreciate it. Awesome, guys. Thank Thanks you, Daniel. You're welcome. Danny Webster, Vegas Golden Knights reporter over at the Las Vegas Sun. Interesting. Not like a massive move, but it's a, it's a, it's a, I think what it is is a, uh, it's an interesting move considering the splashes that they've made, the right. high price splashes, that they're getting a guy who's got two rings and brings a lot of experience and cheap. Well, that's going to say, 
winning teams, they make little moves like this at the margin, right? And these guys end up working out for you. You get them on the cheap, and then they exceed your expectations, hopefully. And that's kind of making the difference between you and, you know, the other teams and maybe making a, a run at a Stanley Cup. All right, we'll come back. It is a special day here in our country, National Burger Day. Enter to win your share of $10,000 in weekly prizes. Grand prize cash bonus of a million dollars. Sign up for the William Hill Pro Pick'em Football Contest by September 11th at the Silver Sevens Hotel and Casino. You're live with the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. I'm going to live till I die. I'm going to laugh instead of cry. I'm going to take the town and turn it upside down. I'm going to live, live, live until I die. They're going to say, what a guy. I'm going to play for the sky. Ain't going to miss a thing. I'm going to have Absolutely. my fling. I'm going to live. Until I, die. I would not be able to tell you a Frank Sinatra song you played, like play 20. Ari likes to bounce back and forth between Frank and Dean, members of the Rat Pack, hence the oh, segment called man. the Fat Pack. Otherwise, if it was like old school Vegas, like crooners, obviously we would be yeah. hearing some of Paul Anka. Oh, that's a good point, yeah. But, you know, little Sa- Sammy would be nice if you throw a little Sammy in. He was part of the Rat Pack. Come on, Sammy. Come on, Ari. Even I knew that. Totally knew it before Willie But do you something. know, so, so the Rat Pack, you know, you have, Dean Martin, okay. and Frank Sinatra against him. Do you know? A lot of people don't know. They don't know the, other the like the other member. Yeah. My great great grandfather Ed Von Tobel. Is he a member of the Rat Pack? No, but they One may have the, went to his hardware. I was going to say, yeah, huh? Von Tobel's got a story history. Maybe they know Joey Bishop. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Be- oh, oh, of course. Yeah. How could I forget? Wasn't there a fifth member? I believe. There oh, was like the Power fifth. Rangers. Peter Lawford was the fifth member of the wow. Rat Pack. Only two get the headlines. Sands Hotel. That sucks. Back in the day. Burger Day. It is You're National a burger, burger guy? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, you'd be surprised. I mean, I'm going to regret it, but Ari, Ari's not a burger guy. Well, come on. I, I mean, mean, I would never ask because the question is like, oh, well, you know, the meat, and I don't like to touch the cheese. and uh, yeah. yeah I, I, well, it involves grabbing a bun. It could be greasy. It could right. get messy on his hands. It's an absolute nightmare. Ari does like it. He likes it well done. Oh, of course. Come on. I'm saying, of course, is in. It's not shocking that Ari would like something well done. Mm. I'm when it comes to steak, I'm a, go like you know medium with the burger. Got to have some pink in there. You know what I mean? Some popular early restaurants that served a burger were White Castle, starting in 1921. White Castle's been around that long. Yeah, that's I, what I saw I, you I was, sent that. I was, and I was like, like what? Are you serious? I don't know what this one is. Coopy, Coopy. I think it's Coopy. Coopy. Yeah. Coopy hamburger starting in 1923. Big boy. I know that. Bob's Big Boy used to be down on Maryland Parkway in the right. 70s. The guy holding the bear. I remember that. Back in 1936. And then McDonald's beginning in 1940. Wow. I absolutely. Now, I'm not, I'm not even going to say the next thing that you put in there because that's blasphemous and it doesn't deserve to be on this list. But what does deserve. You always got to evolve and change, really. 100% an agreement. The underrated burger. That, because I think you and I have discussed this, that I had it before it was called that with who Del Taco bought out, which was Noggles. Oh, the, I didn't know that, The really? original Noggle burger. We would stop at the Noggles on the way home in the 80s from the clubs. Yeah. To get the, you know, because you always stop home. Yeah. Uh, you stop on the way to get the food. Just just fill up the gullet that's yeah, already filled with whiskey. Got to get the gotta, grease. Got the grease. And we would get Noggle burgers by UNLV. There was, there was a Noggles there. There was a Noggles on, like, East Desert Inn and Pecos. 
but Noggles was the, and then there was one on Jones. Jones okay. by by the four kegs. How do you spell it? N a u g l e s. I believe there's still there's some somewhere. But then Del Taco came in and bought them all out. But the double Del is strong. It's it's one of the most underrated cheeseburgers out there. One hundred percent. I think I think I don't want to put words in mouth because this is quite the statement. I don't want to accuse him of anything. I believe Caleb, uh, our wonderful play by excuse me, a color analyst for UNLV football. I don't think Caleb has ever had a double Dell. I think the like two weeks ago, I was sitting with him in a Del Taco, and he had never had a double Dell. I also assume this because somebody at that sit down had never had a double Dell, and the other person there was Steve Cofield. And come on, there's no way Steve Cofield never had a double Dell in his life. Here's the thing that you have to that I believe that you know when you cross over, you just said like, oh, you got to evolve with change with the other place that you mentioned that I'm not going to mention in the rundown. Uh, but I agree. So like. Del Taco, right? It's named Taco, so it's a fast food Mexican restaurant, uh-huh. but it's allowed to have the double Del, just like Jack in the Box is allowed to have the monster taco. They are, but I mean, if we're talking about underrated menu items, the double Del takes the cake. Everybody knows about the oh, Jack no, in the Box. I, taco. No, I'm just saying, like the crossover. Yeah, oh no, the double Del is. I used strong. to have a buddy who lived, got a, had a house over on Craig, right there by uh, Rainbow. There's, yep. I think there's a Del Taco right there. Yeah. Yeah. Many late nights, cherry coke and a, and a double coke, del. Yeah. Del Taco's got the, so the, gotta, there's McDonald's you, Coke and then there's and there's McDonald's Sprite and then there's Del Taco cherry coke, for the, buddy. For the hangovers. Oh, yeah. I was about to curse. I was like, yeah, I'm getting excited. Yeah, you got and you got to get the double del combo and then add a double del just straight, so you got two. Because it's like getting two double doubles at In and Out. See, this is good food. The rabbit food that I've been trying to consume. Because I hit this little plateau in this workout that you're eating. Okay. What are we doing? Okay. Well, here's let me let me. Can te- I just say really quickly before you? Because I know you're going to give me some sage wisdom. I'm going to teach you. You are. Yeah. It is so much easier to be a fat load than it is to be healthy. It is. It is so ridiculous. That's why I call it fast food. <laughs> exactly. It is. It is. I went. So I went. The last two times I've gone grocery shopping. Yeah. The pr- the average price increase because I've been eating healthier. Yep. Compared to what I was eating, it's not like I was eating terribly, but you know what I mean. I didn't really care. Like I wasn't right. like looking for healthy stuff and getting alternatives, things like that. It's ridiculous. It's really not that hard once you get used to it. But let me ask you this: Do you oh, not do, hard? Do, it's just ridiculous. Do you and the wife have? The, do you have a KitchenAid mixer? Uh, like a like a zzz, zzz, hand mixer no, thing? No, not the zzz, the mixers where you, you push it up. Oh no, she wants mixer. one. Okay, well get her one. It's not that bad. Yeah. It's not that expensive. So what I do is I'll get two packages of ground turkey ninety three seven. Yeah. Throw it in the mixer with one package of, like, 90-10 ground beef. Ooh. Mix it all together. It's a protein mix, yeah. You throw the perfect seasonings, mm-hmm. of course. Perfect, yeah. That perfect seasons in there. You get it all nice. Then you get the, the digital scale, and you weigh out. That's what i got to get. Yeah, you got to get the digital scale. They don't cost much. Jesus, i got to teach everything. KitchenAid, scale. Oh, let's do this thing. The digital scale, I knew. I'm just being lazy. We're getting, like, toward, looks like a we're getting toward Christmas. I, yeah. I got you. All right, so you weigh out eight-ounce burgers. Yeah. And you got it nice and seasoned. Now, you put whatever you want. Now, I'm not big on onions and velvet. Now, the one thing I will do if I'm feeling frisky, I I chop up the the jalapenos or the nice serranos. I like so. And I throw those in there for the the jalapeno burgers. Sport peppers, really good. I'm really big on sport peppers. Love them. So you you weigh it out, and you go flat. So it's a big, flat burger. So, like, it overrides the grill. And then you make... You know, if you go th- if you got three pounds, and a lot of it's tear weight, so you're going to get a little less mm-hmm. f- 
from the turkey, but usually if you, you when you go buy from the butcher, you can you know when they prepackage the ground beef, you can get like one point two five pounds, right? So you, it's going to come out. So let's say three pounds, you're gonna you should be around twelve to fourteen burgers. Hmm. And all of a sudden, you got something for breakfast. If you want to make a breakfast burger oh, yeah. with a fried egg, or 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 middle of the, or you're running out to do the Cofield and Company show, or you're running to Veasan, you put it in the, you put it in the Tupperware. Yep. And you got a little burger, and so so there's a healthier version of. It's not the double Dell. No, it's not nothing. But to I promised you that if you stay straight, you stay on this, and you give oh. it the discipline that. You can eventually have a cheat day, so then you can get to the double dose. I am, uh, I am not wavering, my friend. Had a nice, I have picked up a nice kettlebell routine that I worked into my workout before leg day. Nice, oh, awesome, killed my core. What little core that I have. All right, we'll come back. Brad Powers, college football is here. You believe this? It is week zero. In just a few days, we get to see college football on the field. One of them is going to be in Dublin. Get his thoughts on the week that is to be. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. Company's eye on sports betting with Brad Powers. Week zero's here. Cannot wait. It's going to be exciting. Although the schedule's really not that great, it's the fact that football's back. Brad Powers is with us. Uh, Brad, before we get to football, so I've talked to you many times on different media platforms, whether it's VSIN or here. Uh, but I feel like I don't really know you, so I'm going to ask you a very important question. I want to get to know some of the more important things about you. Are you a burger guy? We were just talking about it. today's National Burger Day. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, it, not really. Uh, you know, ch- more chicken than, than hamburger. I can tell you that. Hmm. All right, we're off to a rocky start. Then we'll start. We'll go here. Yeah. Burger or hot dog? burger okay okay but wait let me ask you this when you hear the word burger do you automatically think of fast food or like if you're at home and you're grilling and you're gonna get like you got a package of ground beef you got the breadcrumbs you got the egg whatever it is that you do you put it together season you got the grill fired up i mean if you're making a burger so when you hear burger don't think fast food are you a burger guy uh I do, when I think burger, I do immediately think fast food, so that's why you got to pause for me. I don't yeah. cook that much, so uh, I don't automatically go towards, you know, how I can doctor it up myself. So I know this is really bad. You're probably downgrading my power. No, right. no, no. That that makes sense. Man, in your position, you deserve to be going out eating steaks and fine dining and, and you know, broiled and roasted chicken and whatnot at the at the big, you know. With big herbs time. stuffed under the skin of the chicken. Yeah, the you know whole thing. I mean? yeah. Chicken Kiev. We got you, Brad. We understand. That is definitely more up my alley. Uh, that's what, what I'm <laughs> dining out with, what I'm eating. All right, so also up your alley, obviously, college football. So I'll ask you this. We obviously, all these numbers, and I've asked you about it again on multiple platforms, about all these games and whatnot and where you're at. Uh, we do have games uh, on the board uh, that have yet to get posted widely, at least here in the country. There's some global shops that have posted some of these numbers. Uh, you did attack one. That was UNLV Idaho State. Uh, are you planning to get involved when those numbers get posted up? Are you sitting back and waiting to see what those numbers are going to be with some of those added games? Yeah, I mean, I, I want to be involved in almost every single one, but i got to tell you, I mean, they're getting hammered pretty good uh, in faraway yep. places with low limits right now. So, I mean, looking at those few shops that have them up, I don't have 
nothing that really right now stands out. If you'd asked me this just literally 12 hours ago, I would have told you, yeah, I'm going to probably bet every single game. But those, I mean, I'll get 31 and a half this morning. Now they're 38 and a half. So when we're looking at the the board that is up right now for week zero, uh, and I always like I I kind of hate talking to guys like you, Brad, because you guys and you specifically just destroy these boards because these numbers have been up for such a long time. So like me, for example, by my rudimentary numbers, I still have like a little bit of value in a nine for Nevada, right? For New Mexico State, I should say. Like I, I think that this number should still be uh, much lower. However, when I see that this opened 13, when you guys like you have 16 and a half, even though by my numbers there's still some value in nine, I kind of balk at looking at nine because I lost out on so much of that. Is Should I still, if by my own account there is value in the number of nine should i still dive in absolutely if you perceive there to still be some value why not make a bet i I tell anybody get the absolute best number that you can i mean don't judge yourself compared to guys like me that that were hitting three months ago so if you perceive there to be some value sure why not now i'll tell you uh i think a lot of the value has been dried up obviously uh but that hasn't stopped even bigger groups from betting i mean the board you know, is lighting up on Illinois here in the last 15, 20 minutes. I mean, they're hitting 13 in some spots. So people are laid 10 earlier this week. They laid 11 today. They flew right through a, a you know, a, a non-key number of 12, and now it's 13. So you're not alone. I mean, people are still firing away, even though these have been up three, four months. So, Brad, before we turn you loose on, on just and let you just go run wild with your best bets for week zero, I personally this Saturday the one game that has jumped out at me just because I've I've been impressed by everything that I'm reading but it doesn't mean necessarily what we're going to see on the field so I want to get your take I think that Willie Taggart has the cupboard is full I like Florida Atlantic I see the line is up when I first saw it it was I believe six and a half seven now it's seven and a half eight at some places your thoughts on Charlotte at Florida Atlantic yeah, I don't like Willie Taggart, so uh, <laughs> I've lost a lot of money you know, backing him up. I can remember specifically backing up his Florida State team uh, in year two against Boise State that I absolutely loved them, and they got out to an 18-point lead, and somehow the Florida school ran out of gas and not the school from Idaho, even though the game was played in Tallahassee. So uh, you're going to have to – a lot of I hear you. I mean, there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of talent on last year's team. And what happened to them, I mean, they absolutely choked down the stretch. Uh, they did their best performance was against Charlotte last year. They blew out Charlotte. But, you know, if you gave me a $20 bill right now, I am not bet this game. You said, hey, i I got to make a bet. I'm taking Charlotte. I'm shopping, and I'm taking them plus eight. So we talked about you beating up these numbers early. Uh, one of the early openers was Hawaii and Vanderbilt. If I remember correctly, some spots opened Vandy minus 2.5. I don't know if you got involved there. So is there a point where we're coming back here on Hawaii? Because I, I see some global shops as high as 9. I get what's going on with the Rainbow Warriors and how bad this could potentially be from a season-long perspective. But Vandy on the road up to 9 at this point? Yeah, I did get involved at 2.5. Uh I haven't played it back yet. I'm going to wait. I mean, the way it's going, yep. we see a 10. I mean, you know, I'm, I've already blown through, you know, two very key numbers, a 3 and 7. Can I get another key number on the comeback a little bit, a little bit buyback on Hawaii? Uh, I, we might, honestly. If you'd asked me, it, you know, yesterday, I'd have been like, eh, maybe. 
But, I mean, circuit right now is up to nine and a half. We're not even the game day. You know how it is. The, the bailout game, people are going to go for the favorite. They're going to think that somebody knew something with the, it being such a big line move. And I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, Vanderbilt's trip to Hawaii is actually longer distance than Nebraska to Dublin, Ireland. Uh, and I'll tell anybody, what gives you so much? I know Hawaii stinks, and they're going to be really bad this year. But what gives you confidence to lay more than a touchdown on the road with Vanderbilt? I mean, look at their season a year ago. Lost by 20 to an FCS team. Barely beat a terrible Connecticut team that I still think Hawaii's team this year is better than what Connecticut was a year ago. And they also needed a couple of goal line stops to beat a you know a pretty mediocre Colorado State team out of the Mountain West. So I I'm not buying it at this point. I obviously liked it early, but if it goes to ten, I'm buying back on Hawaii. We've seen a, a little bit of a move in this Utah State UConn game. Uh, there's still plenty of 27s, and I think a few straggling 27 and a half out there. But 26 and a half is now the predominant number. I know I got to talk to you a couple of days ago, or maybe yesterday about this game up on VSIN. Uh, so walk us through your analysis here, because I believe you are in on the underdog here. This is one of those correlated underdog underplays, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I don't expect Utah State. Uh, you know, Logan Bonner has been a little bit banged up. He hasn't been 100% healthy. Alabama's on deck. If you want to trot him out there, you know, all four quarters, I doubt that. You know, I do actually. I'm one of the few people that actually like the Jim Mora hire for Connecticut, especially how he rounded out his staff. And, also like that he hired himself last year and went out and started recruiting, and he was welcome in some you know key transfers, including a former Penn State quarterback. So I just I think twenty seven is too much. Uh, it's not one of my favorite bets that I made for the, uh, Saturday, but uh, plus twenty seven is the way to go as far as I'm concerned. All right, so let's talk to the local folks. Uh, I'm not sure who in the heck UNLV thinks it is to be laying this many points. <laughs> Uh, Idaho State, I get it. I mean, I'm looking at the roster as we speak. It is just underclassmen laden with a ton of freshmen, but even still, that's a big number to be laying. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Tony Miller down at the Golden Nugget released this game 25, you know, about six weeks ago. I took the points. Uh, I've heard some speculation that a lot of people think this number is 21 right now, like five times in a couple of places offshore. Uh, a lot of people have speculated it should be higher. Uh, why? I mean, Idaho State played a couple of uh, you know teams last year for, for, from the FBS, Nevada and BYU. I'm sure everyone's heard of them, and they're catching like 35, 36 and a half. I mean, those are two far superior teams to what UNLV is. I'm talking three touchdowns better, so I'm not surprised that it's sitting here at 21. Um, anything above 21, I'm taking the dog. I, I just I don't trust. Marcus Arroyo's offense to be able to get margin. And we're talking a relatively low total of 51.5. So, yeah, I'm on the dog anything above 21. All right, I don't want to put any salt in the wound here, but I believe uh, this affected you. Um, Marshall oh. Thundering Herd running back Rasheen Ali and uh, his departure from the program, what does that mean for Marshall? Because I've talked to a lot of people, and I've seen a lot of analysis, I believe some of yours as well, uh, that Marshall was a team that was set up for a pretty good season their first year in the Sun Belt, no? Oh, certainly. I thought they would, you know, make a run there at the Sun Belt title. Now they're in a really tough side of the division there <laughs> with App State, Coastal Carolina, Georgia State, a bunch of good teams. Uh, you know, it, I, I'm okay because DraftKings posted a really, really bad number, and I mean one of the worst season win total numbers that anybody posted uh, on any team this year. They posted five and a half. I mean, I made it eight. So, uh, 
even without their best player on offense. Okay, I mean, he's one of those rare non-quarterbacks that's worth that does move the needle. He's probably worth a point or so. Uh, even then, I mean, heck, I mean, I'd put their season win total at seven and a half now. So I'm, I'm still, still okay with it. I just, you know, I, I did bet Marshall to win the league and had some money on that. I think that probably goes, uh, you know, by the wayside right now.